0: Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blatant Homers and podcast, part of Crimson and Cream Machine on the SB Nation network of podcasts. Uh, I'm your host, Alan Kenny. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe. We know wherever it is that you uh, get your podcasts. And every year before the OU Texas game, we talk with avowed Longhorn Homer, Bomani Jones, <laughs> currently with ESPN, is host of the Right Time podcast. He's also a contributor to HBO's Back on the Record with Bob Costas. And, Bo, I think. Maybe you got uh, some more news coming, uh, you know? Or I guess by the time this is out, people will probably have already heard it.
1: Yeah, no. Um, in 2022, at an undisclosed date, um, we are going to begin on HBO to air a show called Game Theory that I will be hosting. Um, executive produced by Adam McKay and others. Um, I'll keep doing uh, the Right Time with Bomani Jones podcast and still be doing um, appearances on ESPN. But yeah, um, next year sometime we're going to get started on the TV show.
0: Ah, excellent, man. So Adam McKay, you did the uh, you did the podcast with him, right? The, yeah. Uh, Death of the yeah. You know what? That was such an interesting series in general. I know that you were only on there at the end, right, with Chuck D.
1: Yeah, yeah. But now, man, that
0: was a fantastic podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, he managed to weave in a real live like deep analysis of the evolution of professional basketball from the 1970s through the 80s and 90s paralleling it with the evolution of politics in the country at the same time and didn't miss.
0: I mean, it was one episode after another stories that, you know, e- either you knew, you know, Lynn Bias or uh, others that were just, I mean, one after another, man, he really, he really nailed it, man. That was a, uh, that was a fantastic series. But uh, I, I want to ask you, Bob Costas, he likes baseball, right?
1: Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so like before every show, is he sitting there like, ah, oh. We got Charles Barkley coming on. Like, let's ask him about the DH, you know, or like uh, oh, no, Billie Jean that. King. She's going to have something to say about Pete Rose and the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, not quite that, but I did watch <laughs> me and Howard Bryant like, quiz each other if they could remember both teams in literally every World Series. Oh, God, I can imagine, okay. man. Right, right. And I am somebody who like thinks it's kind of like neat and quirky that I can give you every highest trophy winner since 1966. They can give you winner and loser of every World Series that has ever been held. And I was sitting there once, and um, Howard was like, yeah, I couldn't remember 07. I was like, oh, 07, that's the uh, Red Sox and the um, Rockies, I think. Yeah, Red Sox and Rockies. He's like, I'm 1907. I'm like, you the winner, man. You the one that knows. <laughs>
0: 1907. <laughs> that's hysterical, so right. man. Good night. Wow. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, no, but uh, I've been really enjoying uh, the Acosta stuff, too, man. Uh it's just, uh, I'm, I'm really happy for you, man. Obviously, you know, I, I like to say I was an early adopter. I was a big fan of yours from back in the day when you were on the score, man. And uh, just so happy to see things blossoming like this for you.
1: I appreciate it, Matt.
0: So let's talk, though, a little bit about the Red River rivalry. And before we, uh, you know, get into talking about the actual game, uh, I got, uh, were you as. Is, is, dumbstruck as I was this summer when uh, it got out there that OU and Texas were going to the SEC?
1: Yeah. um, I was very surprised at that. Um, And the surprise to me was simply that Texas was smart enough to look around and realize that owning the Big 12 was not going to work out for them the way that they thought it would. And that I think that for them, this isn't really about money because they'll make all the money in the world and they won't be able to have like the sway that they have in the Big 12 going to this place. I think they realized, and Oklahoma did, too, that being in the Big 12 was really bad for business for them and was putting a ceiling on just how good they can be. And I think Texas got tired of watching the SEC West and and, um, Ohio State just come in and take the best players in the state.
0: Bingo. Yeah. No, nah, man. Exactly. And, you know, it, it, both of these schools, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because like you look at OU, right. And just historically, I mean, that's a that's about as sec of a program as you can get right but yes. like just just culturally identity wise but you know i mean internally i know there was so much pushback when david Bourne was there to uh keep him from keep him from going there because he kind of is you know i mean it's a college thing like they aim higher when it comes for like academics and stuff like they want right. to be in a more prestigious deal um but i mean like I am completely with you. I keep reading all these these stories about uh, you know about money, and obviously these programs want more money. But like it's exactly like you said. It's not just a, it, it, to me. I think that's secondary, just to the idea of like you know you can't really be a nationally competitive team at this point now if you're if you can't recruit with the SEC, and it's just going to get harder and harder the way it's the way things are set up.
1: Yeah, it's just I mean. For Texas, which especially in the first decade of the new millennium, where they just got every player they wanted yeah. from in-state, every single one, that ain't happening anymore. And so with A&M leaving and going, which then made them more attractive and <laughs> Still laughing, how much they hate this idea. Texas and Oklahoma <laughs> yeah, showing up, and will never stop being funny. Yeah. But I mean, there's no explanation as to why a And M has been able to recruit the way they have recently, other than the fact that selling the SEC seems to really be helping. Um, and I think for Texas, it doesn't make them get off their asses and actually try to win. Like yeah. they, they stand the possibility of coming into this new conference and being ambitious. Em- embarrassed and it would be really staggering for them if they got embarrassed because missouri came in for their first couple of years in one divisions when they got there with the players they were able to recruit from the big 12 oklahoma's going to come in there and they might not go 10 and 2 necessarily but they're going to come in there and win texas can get their doors blown off if they don't really take this seriously
0: yeah yeah and you know you think about it though too though man if you're selling texas you know and the sec that could be i mean i, I don't know to me it's just such a a, a no brainer if you want to be a competitive program you know what I mean but I don't know the one the only thing about it is like for me I don't know I mean I I always liked the big 12 because that's where OU had history if that makes sense you know right what I mean? absolutely like and and so this just feels like you know you're you're kind of like going to be moving into somebody else's house or something you know I mean living with them or whatever and it's just like it, that part of it doesn't feel right to me and and. On top of that, like, we're so close to just basically just NFL junior. I mean, not that we aren't already there, but, like, that's what this is going to be. I mean, you're looking at a deal where the SEC could, once Oklahoma and Texas are in there, just block out the sun for everybody else.
1: Yeah, I do think, though, that at least – in fact, maybe in some ways kind of more for Oklahoma, though I guess not really. It's probably about the same. At least there's still some geographic stuff going on here. You know, so Texas – You know, know, they basically shed all their rivalry games 25 years ago when they made the decision to come into the Big 12. Like, all the Big 18s came. So, even if you weren't playing Nebraska every year, for example, you're still playing the team's um that you played now I think for Oklahoma this opens up a little differently like now you're going to be playing Arkansas which you know there's there's a geographic yeah. pull there um LSU not quite in the same way but it is kind of there and now this also makes Oklahoma a lot more attractive to, like second tier Louisiana athletes the ones that LSU decides for whatever reason that they don't want to offer so I think that there'll be a new personality you know that comes to the programs as they play these other teams a bit more regularly for Oklahoma. I totally understand not wanting to leave your old big eight compadres after you've spent the last hundred years beating the brakes off of them. <laughs> I, I'd miss seeing Iowa, Iowa state <laughs> if I was you guys.
0: Yeah, no fair enough. Fair enough. No, but like, you know, Oklahoma state is kind of an interesting thing. Cause like, you know, Texas A&M and, and Texas, they really do not like each other. I mean, Texas A&M left the big 12 just to get away from Texas. But like, in Oklahoma there wasn't quite that same i mean and granted Oklahoma state's been very salty the administration there about how this went down and i don't blame them but like there also hasn't necessarily been the um desire to really screw the other one you know what i mean like historically speaking and that that part of it uh it just it, it's just kind of unfortunate i think
1: yeah i think that most people would have assumed that the Oklahoma Legislature, for example, would not allow Oklahoma to leave without bringing Oklahoma State with them, and they're like, "Look, we got to make a hard decision here." Texas, the Texas Legislature, does not work the same way because A and M's big thing is to prove we don't need you. <laughs> I, there's, I don't think, and I'm, I mean, I like to laugh at the Aggies, but I don't even think I'm saying this as an insult necessarily. I just can't think of anybody else that has quite the inferiority complex as it relates to their rival that A&M has for Texas, which is like, for me, the biggest downside for Texas going to the SEC is never play them again. <laughs> take, take that Case McCoy L with you into eternity. Never play them
0: again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we'll uh, get that started up back here pretty soon. But uh what are you thinking about Sark, you know? I mean, I remember right when uh, that came across the uh, the old wire there that uh, that Tom Herman had gotten axed, and I remember hitting you up being like, what is going on, man? Like, I mean, this caught – I know it caught everybody by surprise, but what are what you thought so far about him?
1: So I've been probably as detached from Texas football as I have in the last 25 years because that whole eyes of Texas thing is just really set, really uncomfortably with me, and I'm, I got to resolve – uh how i feel about all this but i've checked in i've popped in and since i don't know exactly how good arkansas is i don't know how to feel about the fact that they got destroyed by arkansas because that was something that was just kind of like i think lost in what happened last year with herman is the fact that they lost three one score games like they were like remarkably close to being undefeated when you really think about it. It just And it wasn't like it was football that got Herman fired, I don't think. No. I think it's fair uh-huh. to say that football wasn't the thing that did it. So this year, watching them get smoked by Arkansas, I was just like, come on, man, what are you talking about? But watching them put 70 on Texas Tech, and I understand that it is Texas Tech. I'm not making the argument that Texas Tech is a great school, necessarily, but it's been a long time since they went out there and just was putting 70 on people. Like, for OU, that's been a fairly consistent thing, like, once or twice a year for the last 10, 15 years. And it hasn't been that for Texas. Like, for them to go back-to-back, putting up 58 and putting up 70, I mean, that's some encouraging stuff. And with Oklahoma looking a little wobbly, you know, this could be a great way for Stark to start it all.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and – uh... Sark, you know, he's not—I mean, Tom Herman, I always think that, like, just watching his teams play, I think he was so, like, in love with his own kind of, like, intellect and the idea of— winning games with how he schemed things up and drew different, drew up different game plans and managed the game that he didn't just like college football, man. It's not like the NFL. That's an NFL type approach. College football is about kicking ass. You know what I mean? Like yeah you, you go out there and you, you know, blow the doors off people. That's, that's what winning is. And, you know, at least I guess I think Sark kind of realizes that and he's working on playing up their advantages. I mean, you know, they had it's not like they didn't have B. John Robinson on the roster last year, you know?
1: Yeah. No, the the thing that for me in the last like really 15 years about Texas football that has been like the most indefensible thing about it is what they produce one NFL lineman since 2008 or something like that. Yeah. Like there's no reason in the world why Texas should not have been able to just maul the Big Twelve. Like that was Charlie Strong's original plan. And it's understandable why it didn't work, but it's also understandable why he tried it. And they just physically have not been what they should have been in this conference. And I just can't see how after the years that Sark spent with saving, and he don't realize that's what they gotta do.
0: Right. You know, I mean he brought Alabama's uh, line coach over, right? Flood. I mean, yeah, the guy was yeah. at Rutgers, but he's widely considered a pretty good offensive line coach and that is one area, man, The both the lines, man, OU and Texas are going to have to get bigger, man, before they start the SEC because that is just the night and day difference.
1: Yeah, or they're going to have to – and I think that maybe this works for them because I think the thing that hurt Texas A&M – but not hurt, but my thought about Texas A&M going into the SEC West and which ultimately really punished Texas, but that's been great for Texas A&M either, I don't think, is that you were now going to make your best players in Texas – like. Alabama is now more attractive to them, but it wasn't going to make the best players in Alabama more attractive to you. And so you were just going to have a talent outflow going from Texas as a result of that, what they're going to have to do. And maybe this is where, you know, being a little easy to do some work in Louisiana will help. You got to get those, the sec, their territory produces the big fast guys. I think Stephen Godfrey they use that term big fast. They produce the big fast guys. And that's what Texas is going to have to get on that line is just a different caliber of athlete.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to like uh, any high school games down in Florida or Alabama, Louisiana, especially <laughs> man. Those kids, it's just a different thing, man. They're they're all enormous, man. It's just uh, you know they're they're not and they're not as uh, you know kind of trained up as they are in Texas. They aren't really playing as much spread ball, so it's just a different kind of thing, man.
1: Yeah, it's a raw athleticism that comes from the players off the golf. That's just mm-hmm. different for whatever mm-hmm. reason, and especially with big guys. Um, right. Like you would think Texas should be the place that produces all the linemen. Nope.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. No, I'm with, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, I mean, what do you think about Texas chances tomorrow? I mean, OU you hasn't looked uh, like world beaters at all yet. So.
1: Oh yeah. I think anybody could beat Oklahoma. It seems. Yeah, um, I, mean, I mean, this year seems to be like the excitement about Lincoln Riley has waned every successive year. And, I don't think he's a bad coach by any stretch of the imagination. The standard for being a coach at at, uh, Oklahoma is very high just considering the track record. But it's bizarre to me that this team, with as much talent as they've had in who knows how long and as excited as Oklahoma fans were about trotting this roster out here, to just kind of be there. Yeah. Yeah. That's been weird. I thought Spencer Rattler would look better, and he has not.
0: Yeah, well, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier, too, with Tom Herman and managing games. Like It feels to me like Riley is, uh, this season, he's just not letting him turn loose. Now, part of that is, man, teams, I think, like, everybody has to recognize, like, teams are, you know, they the other side has coaches, too. You know, defenses right. have coaches, and I, you know, they're picking up, I think, a lot on what Riley was doing tendency-wise. I think that you're seeing a lot more, to defenses that are just built to say, listen, you know we're going to you know, we're going to plan our safeties back here like 25 30 yards back you're just not going to be able to throw a deep ball on us and you know i mean like there you know he's he's really like kind of just struggling i think just to manage that that kind of evolution
1: yeah you're not going to win a lot of games in the big 12 scoring 16 points um i mean you could play a very good defensive game in the big 12 and give up 20 and so the idea of at West Virginia at home, you're only scoring 16 points that it's gonna be a game deep into it with Kansas State. Like this, these are things that I did not see coming. Now, of course, it helps that the Big Twelve is looking like boo-boo this year. Um, but somebody but Oklahoma is a team that somebody can sneak up on. And I just thought they've looked kind of I don't know if listless is the right word, but the thing I was always jealous of, you know, rooting for Texas and watching Oklahoma is there was always an energy and effort and an enthusiasm that I felt that Texas football didn't have with the exception of, like, the must-champ years. Like, I just didn't feel like it was there. Oklahoma feels like that this year, and that's strange.
0: Yeah, yeah, you definitely, like, watching them last week, man. It was not a lot of effort, man. That's, that's definitely one thing that's been... uh been, I know eating at a lot of people so anyway well hey man I won't take up too much more of your time man but uh, really appreciate you coming on Bo as always I know we do this every year it's always one of my favorite shows and uh, you know I, like I said I'm so happy for you man and uh, hearing about the uh, the new show and just bigger and better things coming your way man.
1: Hey, man, I appreciate it. I got worried this year. I hadn't heard from you. I had to uh, hit you yeah. up like, yo, we podcast. I, yeah,
0: I, <laughs> I know, man. You know, it's uh, it's kind of weird the way this pandemic has changed, like, my, uh, just my attentiveness to detail. <laughs> it's weird. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when time doesn't matter anymore, you know, it's like... I, I yeah i completely lost track man but i do man and i, I appreciate you getting hitting me up too man that's uh nah, no problem it i means thought a you lot got to too
1: me. good for me oh, i was like damn oh, come on, man,
0: man. no <laughs> you know it's just uh i i do appreciate you that it means that much to you that you hit me up man that uh that means a lot to me man
1: dude no problem man i appreciate you having me and i'll talk to you soon
0: all right sounds good again folks that's bomani jones of uh ESPN and now you know uh, HBO also make sure to check out all the stuff he's doing there thanks to him for joining us and thanks to y'all for joining us too for the blatant homers and podcast I'm Alan Kenny take it easy